0: I was meditating on God's word, asking Him what He wanted me to preach in this time went of illness and various unrest. And He said, "Preach the word." And I says, "What? Well, where do you want me to begin?" And He said, "Ephesians chapter two. I'll start in verse three. Among whom also we all had our conversations in time past. The lust of our flesh." fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath foreordained that we should walk in them. I have in my Bible here notes uh, in regard to verse 10. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And I wrote here in my notes, I got, I didn't get saved by works, I got saved to work. That's the real point of the gospel to some degree. This verse, we're going to start out in verse 8. I'll open with a prayer here again. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be here this morning. Thank you for the illness being coming to fruition here or coming into past. Lord, help us all as a, as a group and bless our country in Jesus' name. Amen. It starts out, For by grace starts out with the word for and that's the verses I just read to you it's in reference and looking back to starts out as an explanation verse Ephesians 2 verse 8 is an explanation of what we read in 3 through 10 it's a summary and explanation of God's reason for us and the hope we have for heaven our flesh at one time we walked in and we still struggle with but God loved us so much that he gave us a hope for heaven in verse 6, and it's the word us. This was written to the church at Ephesus, one of the first Christian, truly Christ-honoring churches in the New Testament, and God hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Each one of us have an opportunity to look forward to the age and the time when we'll be there with Jesus Christ in heaven. How'd that all come about? The first word is for, by grace. Grace is not getting what you deserve. That's the simple meaning for grace. It's not getting what you deserve. None of us deserve heaven. None of us have any claim to the wonderful things that lay before us as believers in Christ. None of us can earn that. None of us are worthy of it. But we're made worthy of it by the fact that we're descendants from Adam and Eve. And God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave us grace. With every breath we take, we receive grace. The only thing that keeps you and the agnostic from dying in the next instance is God's grace. God loves you he allows you to have your own free will he allows you to reconcile your differences with him he allows you to to speak your mind to uh, hold your peace he allows you freedoms unmatched our constitution starts out with we're given certain in inalienable rights by god in direct opposition to some of the worldliness where it's given by government. They figure your privileges, your rights are given by government. Biggest difference between mankind and God is what we have and what we attribute our grace to. For by grace ye are saved. Mercy is not mentioned here, but grace, it's said to be not getting what you deserve, Mercy is getting more than what we deserve. And that's in thought here. He's given us grace and mercy. Ye are saved through faith. What are we saved from? Well, I want to bring your attention to the word ye. Ye is a very personable word. It's each one of us on an individual basis. This verse is pointed to everyone who accepts Christ as their personal savior. Everyone who admits God's word has complete dominion over their ambitions, their thoughts, and their regrets. God has authority in your life. If you've accepted his grace, you are saved. That word saved is from what? Mankind is three parts. He's physical, emotional, and spiritual. Trichotomist is the word they call it. Body, soul, and spirit is what the Bible talks about. And man is saved first from his transgressions. I uh, don't have to worry about dropping over from a contagious disease, from illicit living. I don't have to worry about that. If I follow God's word, I'm saved physically. I'm preserved physically in most regards if I follow God's word to a degree, to a principle. I'm saved emotionally. I have, my iniquities are washed away. My emotional well-being is established by God's grace, his love for me, his faith in me, his attitude towards me. As we looked in Sunday school class, the very hairs of my head are numbered. In my case, he doesn't have to keep too big a tally. But, You are saved by grace. Saved from what? You're saved physically. You're spared a lot of things. You don't have to worry about dying of cancer if you follow God's word. Uh, Cancer of the lungs, we'll say. And I imagine there's a lot of other things we'll find out one day that we could avoid it if we only would have followed God's word more closely. We're saved emotionally. I don't have the spirit of fear. I don't have to worry about whether they drop a bomb today or tomorrow. I lived through the 60s when people would buy bomb shelters and, cut and dig holes in their backyard and hide back there. We have never had a generation that did not have some luminous fear coming upon them. Now, we, for one thing, now they, they're worried about the sky falling. Oh, you say the sky falling. What, global warming? Global, what do they call it, climate change? Fear. I don't have a spirit of a spirit of fear in those regards. Because I'm saved. I'm washed in the blood. I've accepted God's grace. I accepted his purpose for me being on this planet. And my being on this planet isn't to live forever. I'm a pilgrim, as we looked at in Sunday school, passing through. And I have God's grace and mercy upon me. And I don't, I know he's in control. And if he shortchanges If I I have no reason to really feel, sure, change is change. But if he decides I'm going home tomorrow, that's fine with me. I knew a famous preacher, and he said, as a guy stuck a gun in his belly, he says, what are you going to do, promote me? You know, for me to die is gain. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm not going to be worried about uh, birth control. I'm not going to be worried about... Air control. I'm not going to be worried about uh, of, uh, oil and fuel and gas and all those things. It's not going to follow me there. I'm saved. I'm washed in the blood. I've been given God's grace and mercy. He settled it with me. And emotionally, I'm stable. I don't wonder what the world's about. I don't know, wonder why the world when the world began. I don't wonder why the world began. I don't wonder what we're here for. I've got a purpose. I know the plan. I've read the book. I've seen the instruction manual. I think of Mark Twain. He said one time, he said, it's not the parts of the book that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts of the book I do understand that bother me. And that's the only emotional problems I have, is how I adhere myself and match my life to the book. Otherwise, it's settled. It's as simple as black and white. It's not covered in billions of years or thousands of decades or marvelous, wonderful time. It's all settled. And it's proven. And it's laid out for me. And I have no doubts. God will can give you that peace and emotional stability if you only trust Him and take Him at His word. And then I'm saved spiritually. I know heaven's a real place. I know it gets better than this this isn't the end all and the end sure doesn't justify the means I know that one day I'll be in heaven as a friend of mine once told a stockbroker where we were testifying to this stockbroker and he, he's rich, he's wealthy now he read his Wall Street Journal and he made his investments and was a big investor and he says I read that Wall Street Journal every day my friend says, well, I read my Bible every day. He says, yeah, but your Bible doesn't give you all the answers and doesn't, won't make you rich. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. And then he said, he says, but there's death and war and all kinds of tragedies that take place in Scripture. What do you do with all that? Doesn't that bother you emotionally? Doesn't that bother you spiritually that the God can kill someone? In, in fact, God doesn't kill anybody, we kill ourselves. Do you know that I, I had a discussion once with a black man, and he tried telling me how America invented slavery. The black man invented slavery. He was enslaving his fellow tribal members years before America was even discovered. So was the American Indian. Now, this is not a lecture about prejudice. It's just about facts of life. We can't blame God for anything. He gives us the ability to make our own choices and the responsibilities of our choices or other people's choices affect our our tranquility and our life and our emotional stability and those things. But if we put our faith and trust in His grace and His mercy and specifically in His Word, He will bless us, and he'll bless our spirit. As a pastor, oftentimes I find myself in discussions with people, and oftentimes within three minutes of a conversation, I know spiritually where that person stands. I know if they're at peace with God. I know if they're stable with God. I know if they're struggling with God. No, it's not a particular gift I I look at as a gift God's given me, but it's just because my spirit doesn't have unity with their spirit. Because my spirit has striven in in my being, both physically and emotionally and spiritually. My spirit is trying to strive with Jesus Christ. It's trying to... Thrive, strive with God. And how I do that is in adherence and obedience to God's word because I need his mercy and I need his grace and I dwell within that promise of more of that every time he sees me. The next thing we look at in that verse, it says, for by grace ye are saved. I always say ye are, but I'm reading it backwards. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And uh, that word faith is where I want to struggle with today and stop for a little bit. Go, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 1. It's called the Hall of Faith. What is faith? What is mercy? We looked at what mercy is. We looked at what it is to be saved. We looked at what it is to have grace. Now let's look at faith. Through faith is how we're saved, not by works. It clarifies it in the next line as you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's not going to be any braggers in heaven. There's not going to be anybody who said, I gave so much to such and such a church, and that's why I'm in heaven. There's not going to be anybody there who said, I went to church every morning at 8 o'clock and then went about my life in heaven, bragging about that. There's not going to be anybody in heaven saying, well, I did this, and I did this, and I did that. In heaven. There's not going to be any braggers in heaven. Uh, We listened to a little tape this week in the truck as we travel, and it was about a bragging individual. All it was was a little, supposed to be a Western entertainment story, and it was a bodacious fella talking about how great he was. Like most cowboys, they think they're some gift to mankind, they're going to rescue everybody. Uh, That's not what life's about. None of us are going to get to heaven by our own merits. We're all living by grace, and we're all getting mercy in God's eyes. Uh, Faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith, and it tells us what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Evidence. You know, we look at it in a negative aspect a lot of times. If we see a crime, we try to figure out who did that. There's a stick laying in the woods. It's broken half. Who did that? What did that? Why is it there? Did it fall from the tree and break? Did a bear step on it? Did a bird drop it there? What made that? We're looking for evidence of what took place. Do you have evidence in your life of what's taken place in your life scripturally, spiritually? If they were going to convict you of being a Christian, do they have enough evidence to do that? Does anybody have enough evidence to say, you're on your way to heaven when you die? God does. But... Faith is exercising. It's the substance. Did you see that word? It says faith is the substance of things hoped for. I hope to get to heaven one day. I show other individuals that I'm on my way to heaven. Hopefully, I can encourage others to go to heaven. Well, he's a preacher. He lives above the church. He's kind of a fanatic. Well, great. I got some evidence, don't I? They come around trying to convict Christians of a crime, which they will one day. Mark it down. I want to be first in line. I'm going to stand out there in the street and say, come get me, I'm ready to go. I'll go out swinging maybe. (laughs) I'll maybe take a few of them with me. They might not go to the same place. I'll go, no, no, that's getting in the flesh again. But I have peace of mind knowing that when those things take place and when the worst of the worst happens, I've got a place to go and people will know I'm looking forward to eternity. When my truck door opens up and I take a track out and hand it to a fellow, most people expect it it by the time I've gotten through visiting with them a few minutes. Could they convict you of being a Christian in three minutes of conversation by what you do say or don't say? Are you exercising your faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. As I started to say the guy with the Wall Street Journal and how he how he read that every day and my friend read his bible. My friend's a deacon in a Baptist church now. I saved him I didn't save him. I witnessed to him. He was in first time I met him he was a guard in the prison. I seen him just this last summer. Frank was his name. I had the privilege to baptize him. I had the privilege to baptize many of his children. Now, he hasn't had a cherry life since he's accepted Christ as his personal Savior. He's gone through a divorce and a remarriage and a few other things. And just like he told the fellow at the Wall Street, with the Wall Street Journal in his lap, he says, you know, the Bible talks about this and that, and some things are discouraging, some things aren't, some things I can do, some things I, I struggle to do, some things I can't do. He says, but you know, when it's all done, I've read that book, and we win in the end. It's a lot like a football game. We might have trouble with the, uh, with the uh, in, at every inning. And how did the Steelers do this week, brother? Are they playing yet? Doc, how did the Steelers, yeah? They're out, They're out they lost? <laughs> okay. We, dependent on how we interact and how things go through the day and how, Whatever the game of life presents us at every inning, whether we win or lose, it's all done, as Frank said to the Wall Street Journal guy. He says it's all at the end. I know we're on, a, we're, we're, we're on the winning team. That's faith. Knowing that your life isn't going to be the, uh, the epitome of uh, idealism. Knowing that you're going to fall short. Knowing that you're going to struggle. Knowing that God has given you the answers and you're going to work with them. But at the end, you're going to be victorious. That's exercise in faith. For by grace we are saved. For by grace we are saved. And uh, through faith. Through faith. And it's faith that, uh, look at this chapter here. It's faith that really saves you. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was translated, and he never died, that he should not see death. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen, as yet moved with fear, preparing for an ark. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should offer after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out. He stepped forward in faith. By faith, he so soldiered in a strange land for promise. By faith, by faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both his sons, Joseph, and worshipped, leaning upon a staff of his staff by faith Moses when he was born was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child by faith he by faith he forsook all and went through Egypt by faith by faith you're not going to get through life without exercising you're not going to get through life successfully in God's eyes without exercising some form of faith it takes faith to believe that a man two thousand years ago died on a cross for our sins. By faith, it takes faith to believe by that man 's word the whole world was formed by faith, it takes faith for you to understand what God wants you to do in your life, unless you realize for by grace ye are saved, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. By unless you exercise that minimum amount of faith, which every man's been given liberally, by faith you won't enter into heaven. So where are you in your daily walk? Where are you with your, with your exercise of faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Where do you measure up in God's eyes as far as your faith is concerned? do you trust him as your personal savior do you look or do you look at him as an ogre that leans over this planet or do you even believe he exists you have to exercise faith to get to heaven very very simple faith if it took much more than just faith people couldn't do it cuz then we'd have braggers in heaven let's all stand I don't know what God's dealing with you this week, but I know he's challenging your faith. The devil is challenging your faith. The world is challenging your faith. Your neighbor will be challenging your faith. Your boss at work will be challenging your faith. Your spouse will be challenging your faith. Your own conscience at times will be challenging your faith. Where are you in your relationship with God and your faith in him? Have you accepted him as your personal Savior? Have you established his position in your life? And are you knowing you're on your way to heaven? Have you been obedient? Or are you struggling with being obedient to his word? Have you accepted Christ? And now are you standing at the purposes of baptism? Are you standing at the purposes of church membership? Are you standing at the purposes of being and establishing a regular, routine relationship with God as you step forward and grow in your grace. No, as you grow in your faith, you already have your grace. You've already been exercised in mercy. God will keep up his part of the bargain. Where are you with your evidence? Where are you with your substance? Where are you with your life?